Welcome to the Future Charlotte Podcast. I'm your host, Eli Portillo. I've spent more than a decade studying Charlotte, first as a journalist and now as assistant director of the UNC Charlotte Urban Institute. 20 years ago, this city looked radically different. No light rail, a smaller skyline, and breweries, what breweries? What will we look like in the next 20 years? That's what we're exploring on this show. Our guest today is Brian Cox of the Mecklenburg County Park and Recreation Commission. Brian, thanks so much for being here. Glad to be here, you I appreciate it. Well, first of all, why don't you tell me uh, just a little about yourself and uh, your background and how you came to be involved with the Park and Recreation Commission? Well, before becoming a Parks Commissioner, um, I worked with Mecklenburg County government for almost 30 years. And the first 15 or so was actually with the Park and Rec Department. Uh, my wife and I moved here as newlyweds for her job with Belk in the mid-80s, and shortly after, I joined Mecklenburg County as a public info person for Parks and Rec and was fortunate to, to grow with the city and county. So even though I moved to more general government responsibilities over time, I, I was always able to keep my finger on the pulse of parks issues. And uh, after retiring from Mecklenburg County, wanted to get back involved. So was fortunate to be appointed to the Parks Commission by the Board of County Commissioners. So tell me, just to start off here, what are some of your favorite parks? And if you had to pick one park that you just love more than any, which would it be? Well, that's a, 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 that's a great question. I, I, we could spend the rest of the podcast talking about that because there's so many good parks. And so I guess if you were going to say in Charlotte, my favorite is Independence Park and Memorial Stadium. And uh, I add the stadium as it's really part of Independence Park, aside from being separated by Independence Boulevard years ago. And uh, wow, what a regrettable city planning decision that was in retrospect. But I, I love history and, and um, Independence Park is the oldest park in the city. And um, what's really cool about it is essentially an urban greenway that serves a, a neighborhood, but also includes athletic fields for, for team play and uh, Memorial Stadium being you know, part of that uh, extended park, uh, I would say has uh, probably the best skyline views in the city. They're very iconic. And, um, and it's actually, I guess you could say, the birthplace of professional sports in the city. It was um, you know, the stadium back in the day. As far as Mecklenburg County in its entirety, I'd probably go with Latta Plantation Park. Hands down, a beautiful piece of property, uh, an oasis just outside the city. And uh, the Latta home site and farm provides a glimpse of life for Mecklenburg's earliest settlers. It helps protect our water sources, and, uh, which is Mountain Island Lake. And uh, for anyone listening that's never been, the Carolina Raptor Center at Latta Plantation Park is something really special, a great facility to visit. Yeah, and I think your answer there actually touched on a lot of the reasons why parks are important beyond just, you know, what you might think of when you picture a day at the park, maybe with a nice picnic and uh, some time on the slides. You know, you mentioned um, history, recreation, and also the environmental aspects of this. And in a, a fast-growing urban area like Charlotte, where we're seeing um, open space under pressure, development that just seems to be unstoppable as more and more people move here, what do you think our parks will look like in 20 years? Do you think that we are on track to be building out the system we need to be? Yeah, that's, uh, that's, an, uh, that's an interesting topic to discuss because there, there'd be a lot of opinions and I like sometimes to look look backwards to to see where we've been and where we are now to kind of think about where we'll 
where we'll be. So I'll mention um, just a second ago that I was a public info person back in the mid 80s. And one of the first things I, I did when I joined the county was provide um, technical support to a parks bond campaign shortly after I arrived. So that's 35 years ago or more. And the fundamental premise then was kind of as it is now, being that if we're not more proactive, we're going to lose ground, literally, and um, that will will never be regained. So the, the story is still kind of the same. And I suspect in 2040, we'll, we'll, we'll be having similar conversations. That said, I think we probably should um, look at land preservation as something that we need to do now um, so our children and grandchildren will be able to make some of the decisions on what the park system looks like in 2040. I, I don't know, you know, built out is a little tricky to say because um, uh, we hope that we're uh, even once the you know, development as it continues going, that we'll be able to perpaps come back and reclaim some areas, brown fields and, and uh, uh, vacant spaces and, and fill in some parks as needed. I th you know, I'm just going to give you my best guess. I, I believe that whereas in the past 30 years as we've seen a lot of investment in large regional parks and centers that are drive to destinations that in 2040, We'll, we'll be seeing a reinvestment in smaller, closer walk to or bike to parks and centers. And uh, the, you and I were chatting before the, pro, uh, the podcast about the 2040 plan. And that plan suggests uh, open space at different scales throughout the entire community. So rather than looking at nature preserves as an example as huge blocks of land, you know, 500 acres, 1,000 acres, we'll, we're beginning to ask the questions, why not five acres? And why not 10 acres? And rather than viewing greenways as unique amenities um, or destinations, we'll see them more as just routine connections between parks and centers. Yeah, and that sounds um, like it really fits with some of the goals that we've heard in the 2040 plan, such as 10-minute neighborhoods where people can get to all of their daily needs within a 10-minute radius, also with the investments we're hearing from the Charlotte Moves Task Force in Greenways as part of a mobility plan. I think that also gets to an equity issue that some people have pointed to with parks. You know, we have uh, some really great park amenities throughout the Mecklenburg County, but some people, especially people without vehicles, people who might live in lower income areas, don't have as much access. And by building more of these smaller facilities and um, dispersing them throughout the county more evenly, I think we could see some moves towards correcting that. Do you think that we are on the right track when it comes to equity in our park and recreation system? Yeah, I, I don't know. It may be premature to say we're on the right track, but I can, I can certainly say that when I joined the Park Commission five years ago, it was not as much of a conversation as it is now. So that's that's a good thing. And uh, the most recent Board of County Commissioners adopted equity as a key priority, speak to that very specifically in their their visions and master plan. So that that's uh, uh, that sort of institutionalizes it as a as a guiding principle. The Park Commission has similarly done the same. So I think in our, our upcoming new parks master plan, there'll be more conversation about, about equity. As far as what that means and what's being done, you know, I kind of look at it as taking a dollar in parks investment 
and maybe the old way was dividing that dollar four ways and giving everyone in the east, west, north, and south 25 cents. And looking forward uh, with the equity, it may be, let's take that same dollar. And if there is an area that is underserved or needs to be uh, needs to catch up or has some other socioeconomic issues, let's look at maybe 60 cents in that area to, to try to get everybody on par. I want to add in the, in a most recent budget year, the Parks Commission asked the board for an additional $2 million in equity spending. And um, the commissioners granted that request. And in discussing with park staff, we urged staff to look at um, some, some work they had been do- doing in assessment of parks. This is related to the master plan as to ones that were in areas with, with the most demonstrated need and, and invest significant, that 2 million there. So, so again, rather than spreading around the county, let's try to make a, a you know, let's try to make a, a course correction in, in some areas. So I think we're getting on the right track, I guess, to, ask, to answer your initial question. And so you mentioned money and Charlotte has ranked fairly low in per capita spending compared to peer communities. And we also always tend to come in near the bottom of the uh, Trust for Public Lands annual parks ranking of the 100 or so largest metropolitan areas. You know, I think that's one reality that people hear and see a lot about. But also, as someone uh, myself who's lived here for a decade, gone to lots of lots of different parks all across this community, and I think that that doesn't capture, you know, the fullness of the amenities and parks we have available. Do you think that we get unfairly knocked by those rankings? Or do you think that, yeah, those are, uh, those are pretty much reflective of what we've got going on? Yeah, that's, uh, that set of metrics seems to get people upset on, on, you know, in, in all corners, the parks advocates like myself, we sort of wring our hands over reading that and, and talk about um, not keeping up and the professional staff sometimes will, will, quibble over the methodology and, and get into the weeds of that. And uh, the elected officials bristle at the suggestion that, you know, they're not doing enough in their roles. And I don't know, it's kind of like looking at sports pundits ranking the top 25 football or basketball teams. You know, no one is entirely right or wrong. There's a lot of wiggle room in the middle. I, I think we should look for insight and opportunities in the data associated with the ranking instead of worrying about whether we're 75th or or 95th out of 100. Neither one of those are very good. So clearly there's some work to do. And I think um, uh, when I see those, I, I, I try to, you know, again, accept it as information. It's a data point, but, but not really obsess that. What really matters more is the satisfaction and service that's being provided on the ground to the people in Mecklenburg County. So with the growth we've got going in this community, I think there's a question about whether we can you know, really grow our park system or whether we'll be doing really well to kind of just keep up and not lose ground on things like a per capita area of park space. Yeah, that's um, the, yeah, there's a couple of things that are going on now where, where your question is part of a, an ongoing conversation. The, you know, the city's 2040 plan, we mentioned the parks master plan, the, the Mecklenburg County has an environmental leadership uh, subcommittee that uh, actually is looking at metrics such as can we, you know, can we keep or maintain the, uh, you know, a 19 acres per thousand resident standard 
for the next 20 years. That's kind of where we are now. So uh, that implies, you know, trying to hold our own as far as, as space. Um, but I, I, you know, there is a lot of, one of the things that we um, probably owe um, uh, credit to with a lot of the, the development that's being done in the city and the county is uh, inclusion of open space in developments, providing some common grounds and, and often working with the city and county in amenities that will make that, that development more livable. And I believe there's going to be more emphasis on that. There's some examples of where maybe that got away from us in the past 20 years, but in the next 20, that they'll be a little more proactive in making sure that we do that. So the, you know, holding holding our ground um, seems, you know, you, someone might say we're just throwing in the towel, but I think, uh, you know, from a practical standpoint with what, what the, the level of growth we're going to have, that's not an unreasonable goal. Yeah, and I think when you look at other plans that are similar but not quite park-related, like the Tree Canopy Action Plan, that's one where the city is reevaluating. You know, should they try to increase the tree canopy to 50% as they thought they could, or should they just try to hold steady where they are now in light of all the growth we're seeing? So it's not just a park space where we're seeing this tension play out, and I think that you know, in a fast growing area like Charlotte, that's kind of guaranteed. Yeah. And I think Eli on that thought, one of the things that we talk about with the parks uh, commission and our natural resources staff is, uh, you know, tree canopy is important. And, 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 you know, certainly we, we applaud any effort by the city or the surrounding towns for that matter to, to include that as part of their planning and growth processes. But a lot of our focus is in uh, ensuring that we do, um, we do preserve habitat, so the, in, that's uninterrupted in a lot of cases. So you, you know, even something as as seemingly benign as a greenway trail or a paved trail or a bikeway through a nature preserve actually starts creating biodiversity segmentation. So the natural resources professionals have done a really good job, I think, in in educating the Parks Commission on, it's not just setting aside land, but you also need to think about the biodiversity that might be preserved in a given spot. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit more. What are what are some more of the environmental benefits that we get from having park space? Because I think sometimes people think a playground and swings, that's nice, but maybe I don't have kids or you know, maybe I don't enjoy going down the slide myself anymore, which I got to tell you, not the case. <laughs> I still have a lot of fun going down slides. Right, right. But what are the benefits beyond just for us? What are the benefits for the natural world? Yeah, I, the the thing that I think jumps out to a lot of people that that um, uh, they you know they certainly can appreciate is water quality, and not only just from a drinking water standpoint, but just the quality of of or the health maybe is a better way of, of saying it, the health of the streams that that run through our various neighborhoods that are kind of cool. You probably played in streams when you were a kid, as I did, and looked yes, under Yes, there, uh, there was a creek uh, two blocks from my house that I dammed and saw the dam busted <laughs> down a thousand times. You, you were creating your own ecosystem. Exactly. <laughs> well, the, the, you know, it wasn't not too many years ago that uh, a lot of the the streams in Mecklenburg or in Charlotte in particular were basically looked at channels to carry rainwater and stormwater away, you know, 
dump it on South Carolina and it's their problem. So get it out of here as fast as we can. And, you know, we realized over time that was probably not the best strategy and have, have been making efforts to you know, reclaim those spaces for uh, the, the health of the, the streams and the biodiversity around them, as well as providing places for people to play with greenways. And Little Sugar Creek is a great example of that, that uh, a lot of people see. And if maybe they drive by it, don't ever, ever get out there and look at it, but the people in, in environmental protection with the county can pull archive photos of uh, perfume pots hanging off of the bridges over Little Sugar Creek back in the 40s and 50s because it smelled so bad. Um, from you know things being dumped in there, and now when you ride the the your bike or walk the trails along Little Sugar Creek, it's amazing that you you see fish in the stream again, and you see uh, waterfowl that are around the the edges in the middle of a city in a huge urban area. So I think you know if you you look at that and then kind of expand, you know, replicating that across the city, it goes to balancing some of those pressures of growth and us longing for that green space that we want. It's a lot more cool than just a grass strip along a sidewalk with a few trees in it. You just can't replace a pristine or as close as you can get to pristine creek and waterway through a neighborhood. It's awesome. Yeah, and I had a, a really great experience recently, um, this past weekend actually. You mentioned the county's environmental protection people and I was at Squirrel Lake Park in Matthews with my kid. There was a, a big oil slick in one of the feeder creeks there. Uh, so I used the online water quality submission form and submitted a problem report. And um, it was on the weekend and the county called me and had someone there the next day to locate the source of it. So I was really impressed by how responsive the county's environmental protection folks were to, you know, a random port of a small oil slick in a, in a creek on a weekend. I think the, the city and county and, and the, uh, the environmental protection and stormwater management and parks people, if you look for an area of government that's collaborated very well, both in a, in a reactive uh, situation, like you mentioned, uh, getting out and looking at a problem, and then a proactive standpoint, what can we do to improve something in, uh, in the future and work together that is a great example of where the branches of government have worked worked well and, and continue to work hand in hand. So a lot of this uh, podcast's focus has been talking to people involved in uh, planning, local government, and um, one theme that you hear a lot in Charlotte with our split up systems of government between you know, city, county, schools, uh, the state, who can all control various things, is silos. And I think when we talk about planning for the future, you can't really talk about planning for parks in isolation without talking about transportation and land use decisions and, you know, where schools are built. But all of those are controlled to some degree by different government entities that haven't always worked together. Do you think that the siloed um, structures of our governance have impeded us from building and preserving the park system that we need? And do you think that this is an area that's improving? It, it probably has impeded. Um, it'd, be, it'd be silly not to say that's not been an issue. I, I, I do think it's probably better, you know, just reflecting back on my time in Charlotte, Mecklenburg, it's, it's better than it used to be. There have been some structural changes, you know, the parks merger in, 
in the 90s was one to to uh, as an effort to get rid of some of that fragmentation. But you know that's just one small thing. City and county planning is coordinated. Um, so at a you know I think at a high level there 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 is a fair amount of coordination. But when it, you know there's some realities <clears throat> when you get down to implementing things with different governing bodies and operational departments and project and spending priorities that just make it you know, make it, it, make it hard. I mean, it, and I, I'm gonna give you, an, I'll give you an example that comes to mind is, um, you might've seen the, there's a renovation of Pearl Street Park near Uptown that's going on. Yes, I actually used to live just down, uh, just down the street from there. So that's one I still keep my eye on. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you know, that was, the renovations were spurred on by a developer's interest in adjacent property. And there's a lot of work going on there. And as you know, the site was a popular youth sports location. There's you know, we we quick sidebars. It's always been interesting how we we invest a lot in the sports plexes and major facilities out in the burbs. Um, you know where we'll have eight or ten soccer fields, and there are a lot of people like you or, or others that might live in the city that don't really want to load the kids in the minivan and drive them 20 miles to a soccer game. They'd rather just go to the neighborhood park. And that's kind of what Pearl Street um, was serving as. A lot of the youth sports in, in that center city area was going on there. And uh, everyone had good intentions going in. There, there were going to be some land swaps with the city and specifically housing and the county and the developer is going to contribute to improvements and the parks are going to be rebuilt and all that. A lot, a lot of good intentions. And, you know, it was uh, going to take a year or so. Um, and kids would be back playing soon. But that, you know, that was the latter part of 2016. And county management uh, promised the, the, the board and the public that they would complete this by 2018, uh, sometime in 2018. But when you get into doing it, city stormwater uh, didn't want to do some of their work until some road work is done, road work has to be done in conjunction with some of the things the developer is going to do. The park work can't be done until stormwater does their stuff. So you, here we are in going into 2021 and the park's still incomplete. And, you know, you start looking around for, well, you know, I want to be mad at somebody. I want to blame someone. And sometimes the work is just hard to do and there is no one to blame. I think that's the frustration that citizens like me and you may see sometimes and think, oh, we're just not planning. You know, we, we need to improve our planning. But we live in a complicated environment in a complicated city, so it, it's hard. Your specific question was about silos. I don't know when it comes to that sort of thing whether it would matter if there was one local government or you know the fact that there's division between the city and county and then some joint services. I don't think it really matters. And as you look at this complex system all working together sometimes to produce a good outcome and sometimes not, if you could change anything about the parks system, the parks we have, uh, what would you do? You know, if you could add, subtract, change, modify parks in some way, uh, say you have a magic wand and you're king for a day. Well, if that magic wand came with a wallet, that would probably be the thing. Uh, I'm trying to remember who it was in the media that said a long time ago, um, the answer to all your questions is money. <laughs> and I think money can't Money can't buy you happiness, but it can buy you parks. Well, maybe that's a, that's a good quote as well. So that's may use that. I think that if I, if I did have that magic wand and I, and I had a wallet to go with it, I would really focus on acquiring land 
and, and actually, let me footnote that it doesn't also always have to be acquiring. It could be um, it, it could be preserving it through um, conservation easements and, and that sort of thing. But as far as um, the park system and how that might grow and develop, and again, thinking about our kids and grandkids, making sure that we are spending now to put some parcels of land aside. So your kid, um, who you're just taking out for you know, to, to part, get on sliding board now can decide later where future sliding boards need to go. And so that's my, my fear that we're not going to leave the future generation, you know, an, enough wiggle room to make some of those decisions. It's kind of, I was having this conversation with someone one time and, and uh, I was bemoaning the fact that we needed to, to buy more land. And the, the, the person I was talking to said, well, what are you going to do with all that land? And I was like, our kids will decide what we're going to do with all that land. That's, that's the point. So um, that would be my magic wand is, okay, let's, let's invest, put some of this land aside and, and um, we'll, we'll know we'll have it. We know we're going to need it. It's, it's a limited resource. We better take care of it. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. For, uh, for a final question here, what are some hidden gems that people could explore if, you know, they'd, they'd like to find some new places to get outside? I know that's been a big question lots of people have during the pandemic. What are some hidden gems that people maybe don't give as much love as they should to? That's, um, I feel like I need to pull out my park map and start pointing to it and doing some, you know, giving a visual, but I'll describe it some of it the best I can is uh, one, and, and this will, you, you might say, well, this is not a hidden gem. Every one knows about the greenways, but I would say that you know, for every greenway that, that someone listening might have visited, there's probably several that they have not. So um, go to parksandrec.com and look for the greenways map. And uh, if you're a biker or a walker, just go explore some of those. I'm always amazed at when I get on a greenway, I, it seems like I always see something that I haven't seen. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, one thing I've done during the last few months is, you know, I usually go to McAlpine Creek Greenway because that's uh, the closest to me and it's very nice and very pretty long. But, you know, I've just taken the time to go to a few others, um, you know, like Four Mile Creek and different parts of Little Sugar Creek Greenway and just been really impressed with how different each of them are from each other. You know, there's, um, and this is not a, you know, we don't intend for this one I'm going to mention to be a hidden gem, but it just the timing of the, this park being developed and COVID just really worked against it being available. But um, uh, Stevens Creek Nature Preserve, which is just off 485 and Idlewild Road near Matthews, um, is going to be um, a, a tremendous park. It's, it's new. The county's had the land for a while, but has built a new nature center there. Unfortunately, it can't be open to the public right now. I did get a socially distanced and mass tour of it with a couple of park staffers and, and park commissioners not too long ago. Um, cool nature, cool nature center, very interactive. Um, kids are going to love it. A nice slice of nature, a couple of hundred acres right off. Again, you can literally hear in part of it, 485, the traffic It's that close to everything. But when you get in there, um, the one time I was able to walk some of the trails under construction, you know, deer were walking just 20, 30 year, 20, 30 yards in front of me. Like it's uh, like I was strolling in the park. They were strolling in the park. So I, I would say, you know, get out your, your, your laptops and Google Stevens Creek nature preserve as one to, to bookmark and uh, plan on going and visiting that in 2021. 
Well, thanks so much for that. I think I know uh, what I'll be doing next year. Finally, where can people go and where should they go if they want to follow along with the plans that are underway for the future of our park system? Yeah, thank you for for adding that, uh, Eli. I might have uh, forgotten otherwise. The, the there is a the master planning effort that I've mentioned a couple of times regarding parks um, has been called MEC Playbook. So M E C K playbook like a football playbook and it's mechplaybook.com you can go to that site it'll tell you a bit about the planning process and also provide some opportunities for feedback and input you can kind of see what people have said to date uh, unfortunately this planning process launched with a lot of good intent to get out and and really go where people are to try to get feedback and again COVID-19 uh, hurt that so they they've for the last uh, half of that effort, the, the, you know, there's been a strong reliance on social media and uh, Zoom meetings and things of that nature. But you can go to that website, uh, take a look at what's being talked about and um, look for an opportunity to plug in some feedback. And it's your park system. Uh, it's something that this community, I hear people when they move into this area talk about how wonderful it is. So. Uh, add your voice to the planning process, mechplaybook.com, and uh, let's make sure that in 2040, people, someone else is sitting around like you and I, Eli, talking about the park system and, and how lucky we are to have it. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining today. I really appreciate your time, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on the Future Charlotte podcast, produced by me, Eli Portillo, at the UNC Charlotte Urban Institute. Keep looking to the future, Charlotte.